Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor H.A. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. We're almost done reading another book of the Bible, uh, ready to move on pretty soon to a new one. But you cannot skip these last couple of chapters here, especially this one. This is the go-to chapter, I feel like, in the New Testament when it comes to the doctrine of the resurrection of the body. Um, and it, it's, it's, so, it's such an amazing chapter because it's just amazing how often we're constantly going back to this, how it seems like basically every religious text or document that's been produced in the Christian tradition somehow references this chapter. It's a big chapter. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's almost, what is it? It's almost like 60 verses here. So we're going to kind of have our hands full. Um, this is, this is a pre-recorded one. So no questions on this one today. Uh, but it's just me and my guests digging into it here. Speaking of, we've got Pastor Brian Davies. He's pastor at Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Welcome, brother. Thank you for joining us here. And yeah, this is just a totally unique chapter in the scriptures. Well, greetings to you and greetings to all of our wonderful listeners. What a treat and what a treasure we are in. Uh, blessed to receive today from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is, like you said, it's, it, it's, it's lengthy, but it's like a Christmas day where gifts just keep coming under the tree. And so yeah. I look forward to unpacking this with you. And, you know, this is one of those where it's almost hard to preach or teach on it because it's almost like you don't even want to say more than what's being said because it's so <laughs> like, let it stand yeah. on its own. But we're going to do our yeah. best to just illuminate some of the yeah. things that the Word of God is saying here and just really get out of the way and let God's work happen. Yes, as, as we unpack... Um these Christmas gifts from under the tree, or, or perhaps this gigantic Easter basket, uh, depending yeah, on... Yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> a giant chocolate bunny of theology. And um, yes. yeah, we're, there's no way we're going to be able to comment on, on everything, and it'll be good to go ahead and just read the whole thing straight through, and we'll just maybe be able to alight on certain points. Can't talk about everything when it's uh, this comprehensive and vast in scope. But uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and start by reading the chapter, brother. Uh, would you say a prayer for us as we begin? I'd love to. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. And thank you, God, that it is in our language. And thank you for the ministry of KFUO, which gets your word out to your people. And thank you for this treasure of a chapter, First Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, Lord, Lord, open our eyes. Uh, we pray in our ears to hear from you and may it impact our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So I, so we have already kind of mentioned a, a lot. It's the resurrection chapter, but it's a lot of things thrown in there. Um, you know, one of the things I think that makes us well known is is um, the, the connections to our funeral and, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, our burial liturgy. Uh, but anything worth just kind of mentioning just briefly beforehand to kind of get our ears ready for this? Sure. I, you know, as you think about first Corinthians, um, a goofy verse that kind of helps me understand first Corinthians is actually yeah. first Corinthians 11 verse 17, um, yeah. which where Paul says, Hey, your meetings are kind of doing more harm than good. And I know you guys just looked at it a few days ago. 
yeah, um, yeah. about the challenges of their understanding of the Lord's Supper. But I think it's important for our listeners to understand if you're just diving into First Corinthians, you know, Paul writes letters to all these communities and Christian churches. There were some problems in Corinth. And I think what yeah. we're going to see in First Corinthians 15, there was problems in the, in the church in Corinth. And so we're going to see in First Corinthians 15 is Paul say, hey, okay, we've, we've addressed a lot of those problems. And really the first thing he's going to say is, and we're going to read in just a moment, is, I want to remind you of the gospel, and I, and I want you to really take your root in this. You know, we've kind of sorted through a lot of the problems. We're done with that. Now, today's a new day, and take your stand on this and root yourself in this. And that's a message that was true for those Christians in Corinth, but it's also a message that's true for you and I, brother, and also for all of our listeners. You know, we're in the midst of a sea of uncertainty and chaos and bad news and so much coming at us. And here's the Lord saying to us, hey, I want to remind you of the most important thing. You've received it. Take your stand on it. And now let's unpack it. Yeah, and I really appreciate you like framing this for us because I, I feel like this chapter has a way of kind of getting away from the rest of the letter, um, at least in the way that we think about it and the way that we use it, right? I mean, even in the introduction, I was saying how, you know, this is like, you know, the go-to chapter on the resurrection, but anytime that a chapter becomes a go-to chapter, right, it, it's like, well, it, it's kind of standing on its own as like a as like a theology yeah. text on the resurrection, and we're like right. forgetting that there's 14 chapters of First Corinthians right. that come before it. So seeing it in the context of First Corinthians, I, th I think that that's going to be one of my major goals in, in the conversation and just thinking about this and reading it today, just saying, yep. okay, how does this address the problem of disunity? How does this address the stuff that he said in just the previous chapter about speaking in tongues? I, I mean, I mean, this yeah. is a... Uh, yeah, yeah, so very, very good, very good. All right, well, let's go ahead, and without any further ado, read this chapter here. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the English Standard Version from the top. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that's with me. Whether then it was I or they, we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. 
We were even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead aren't raised. For if the dead aren't raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Then, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God, the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it's plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that is, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts in Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown in, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. 
as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Amen. And it's just, uh, you can kind of sympathize with the way it it gets kind of put to the side and treated on its own, because it it feels like it could just be a sermon all, like, all by itself. I mean, it kind of is, right. really, when, when, right. you, when, you, when, you, when you break it down. Um, it, it, is, it is so comprehensive. But there, I feel like there are these little tethers um, throughout that, that keep linking it back to the overarching letter, right? Like, uh, the, even, even there at the end, that, that bit of um, you know, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain— I mean, see, th- that to me feels like, okay, we're, we're connecting this back to the rest of 1 Corinthians. Like, uh, th- there seems to have been this idea at some point introduced among them that what they do in the body doesn't matter, right? And, yep. and that's why they're okay with things like they were way back um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 um, and, and chapter 4 uh, about with the sexual immorality in chapter 6, uh, because it's like, well, what, what does it matter, this body? Yeah. Um, so, so it seems that, you know, there are these little points like there or, uh, where, where he uses this phrase that he's used a couple of times. Like I say this to your, to your shame, right? Yeah. Uh, he's used that phrase a couple of times. So, you know, he's, he's talking, yeah, these, these big, amazing, glorious things the the final trumpet, the transformation, uh, but it, it's all in the context of, of the present and that this grand glorious vision he's giving us it matters for today and tomorrow and the next hour and how we're going to live. Yep. I think it's super helpful to understand that first Corinthians 15 is written in light of first Corinthians one through 14. And there were issues that this text addresses because Paul was a good pastor for the people in Corinth. It's yeah. also a treasure for us because there's a lot of false theologies in 21st century America that this text is going to address. And yeah. so while it's good to root it in Corinthian culture, it's also, you know, recognize this text ought to be read with the Bible in one hand and a mirror in the other, that there are issues here that 
are good for us to speak to in light of what we're seeing around us today. Well, and I think that especially works because as we've been seeing for the last 14 chapters, the problems in Corinth seem to be ones that we relate to a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whether it's because Corinth is uh, uh, just as a city, very similar in some ways to our, our modern Western culture, or if it's just because uh, the, the problems that Corinth was facing just are kind of the perennial problems that always seem to creep up at one time or another. But, yep, exactly. Uh, I mean, all those all those problems, you know, like we, we've been talking about, I mean, uh, whether it was kind of, you know, oh, we're, we're so, you know, proud and forward-thinking and woke, you know, that we're, yep. we're okay with, with our church members doing this sort of thing, oh, it's it's no big deal, or whether it's um, the, the, the factionalism, the divisiveness, right, the kind of like everyone's going their own way, everyone has their own their own banner. Uh, I mean, regardless, it's just like all those problems we relate to so much. And so if he's addressing as a good pastor, their problems, he's addressing as a good pastor, our own. Exactly. And so many also like a theology of the body that we see now, um, that what happens doesn't matter when this text really does a good job of saying uh, it does matter. And that this body, it will be raised, but it, what we do with this body does matter. Yeah, which I so think I is, I is just, uh, oh, go, go ahead. I was going to say, that's why I would like, you know, I think he does a great job, even though it's not a standalone book of the Bible. It yeah. does kind of, First 15 does have an air of, okay, in light of all of that, let's, let's have a redo moment. Um, I want to remind you of what I preached to you. And I love, you know, there's, to me, there's echoes here of our Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 15, um, which is, uh, the well, a well-known passage probably to a lot of our folks on uh, the yeah. vine and the branches where Jesus says over and over, you know, remain in me and I will remain in you remain in my love. You're clean because of that. You, you remain in me. That's over and over repeated. And then here, this is Paul saying, okay, in light of everything we've talked about, um, yeah. I want to remind you of this. And I, and someone's like, echoing Jesus saying, Hey, remain in it because this will guide you through challenges now and challenges in the era to come. Yeah. So I I wanted to ask you about, about this move. It's really interesting. Um, in in verse one, you know, I I mean, both in terms of like, how is this following, uh, chapter 14, which, you know, I, I mentioned it, uh, earlier, you know, chapter 14 is dealing with like tongues. Right. And so it's like, you're, you're thinking to yourself, Oh, of course. Right. Like, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, speaking in tongues, we should really talk about the resurrection. Uh, so, so that might not be the most, uh, transparent transition, uh, to everybody. So that's kind of like one part of it, but then also like what you were getting at this, this, um, I would remind you, you know, this is, uh, this is really interesting in Greek. The word is, is not the word for reminding. Um, it's, it's the word for, I mean, it's the word for, uh, revealing for uh, making known. Right. I mean, typically something new actually. So, I mean, what do you suppose kind of like on on these two aspects of it? Yeah. I mean, how is he revealing something new here? And, and, and what's that got to do with, all the stuff he was just talking about. Yeah, I think that um, Paul does a good job here in 15 as a pastor of saying, hey, in spite of all the mess that you are in, some of which of your own doing, 
And member 14 is full of admonitions and concerns and, hey, don't do this and don't do this. And it can feel like you kind of get lost in the weeds. This is almost like a a parent sitting with a child and the parent is just kind of like, you know, all the things you're doing wrong. And now comes 15 and this is a chapter full of abundant grace. And so it's almost like, hey, this is a mess. You've made it. But I want to return you back and bring you back to what is most consequential that you know and then take your stand in this um, because the lord has saved you you're in the you're in the process of being saved hang on to this yeah yeah well no i think and i think that we all can relate to that especially you know you you mentioned you know we mentioned the holidays at the beginning right like chris Christmas and Easter, mm-hmm. that it, it feels like on those days, or or maybe even Good Friday too. I mean, it's just like, but w- whatever these moments are, you know, it kind of no matter where you are at in life, and maybe particularly when things are are, are going bad or, or things seem to be crazy, and, and you have these touchstone moments where you kind of get back to it and you look at the big picture and you say, you know what, actually everything's okay, or, or at least That's everything's right. gonna be okay. Right, because of the That's Lord right. Jesus, and, and I, I think that we all can relate to that, and 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 that's that's part of the Christian life, right? That like there's this there's ebb and flow, and and that we are just when we when we drift a little bit away and we get caught up in the weeds, like you were saying, yeah. how sweet it is to come back to just the core, pure, unadulterated gospel, right? I mean, because because it, it isn't just even. Uh, the resurrection here, right? It's, it kind of sounds like a creed, really. <laughs> I, yeah. I think not not by chance either. Uh, but when, yep. when he says that, right, I delivered to you uh, as of first importance what I also received, uh, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised in the third day accordance with the Scriptures, and he appeared to see... So, I mean, like, th- this, like, list uh, of things, it it's not even just, like, the resurrection per se but right. i mean even even with the uh appearing to paul i mean that that's kind of basically talking about the uh, ascension actually so i mean yeah. this kind of does read like a like a proto creed like that it it does and you know um it's uh i think of uh, our lord jesus christ in john chapter 6 where he says whoever comes to me i will never drive away that is to say like even as our listeners, if you've felt far from God, or if you felt like overwhelmed by all the uncertainty and you have decision fatigue about life, or if yeah. you feel like you've been away from God, um, this is our Lord through his word saying, come back, find your root in me. And you're right. Uh, that three through 11 is very creedal. And it's, I like to read this at funerals because it's like, Hey, if you have, there's any, misunderstanding or if you kind of get caught in flowery language that's abstract and you don't know what to make of it here is concrete this is what happened he died he was buried and then he rose again and appeared there's no real like imagery or metaphor this is like paul presenting the gospel as historical fact and that he appeared to more than 500 at a time this is a great text well, and, and also as a part of that too, it's um, I, I think we're all kind of hearing a little bit of an echo because he uses almost the same language that he used back in chapter eleven, 
where he says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he uses some of the exact same words there in, in verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Um, so kind of either way, there is this um, th- th- this kind of oral tradition language, mm-hmm. which, I mean, really, really fits, I think, with the— uh, I mean, with the, the with the whole idea of a creed, right? Because I mean, that's what creeds are. I mean, they, they are like an oral tradition that that they're they're spoken again and again out loud, and and that they're they're then learned and memorized and passed on, right? I mean, that that's yep. I think the word like deliver, right? I mean, it, it is kind of the word for um, pass on, right? Hand yep. down um, as as like a, an inheritance, um, as a yep. as a heritage, and so th- this is in that way kind of like part two here. Um, and, and so actually it makes a lot of sense that it picks up with his death because back in 11, it was about his, um, his betrayal and the institution of the supper. Right. And I think, uh, what I also like about that, thanks for drawing the connection between 11 and 15 and that Paul is saying, you know, this is not about me doing this. I am like a messenger. Yeah or an ambassador of what the Lord Jesus Christ is delivering. And so like the Lord's supper is not about my words. I'm just sharing with you what I received. And in the same right. way, if you have questions about death and resurrection of Jesus, Hey, I'm, I'm a messenger and ambassador of something that is way, way, way bigger and way beyond Paul. This is about Jesus Christ, son of God. Well, yeah, and, and uh, I think to complement that, he is an interesting how in both places, whether it's First Corinthians eleven or First Corinthians fifteen, here he emphasizes uh, or puts very prominently that he got this from the Lord, right? In, in eleven, yeah. for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, and then here yeah. in fifteen, right? You know, he he gets there at the bottom uh, of this little section. Uh, I mean, where, where did it go here? You know, no, it's kind of in the middle of it, right? Uh, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Uh, then it's yeah. going to verse 9. Uh, I, right, right, right. Verse 8 and 9. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, right? And, yeah. and so I think in, in, that I, in that idea is, yeah, he appeared to me and he revealed stuff. He gave stuff to me. And that's um, what you get in other books of, uh, well, you get that in Acts, I think, and in some of his other letters, yeah. this idea that the Lord gave him uh, things in, in that time That's right. um, of his call. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you have a red ink Bible, like, you know, where Jesus is talking, if you know what I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of red ink in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but there also is red ink in Acts, Yeah, you know, and there's red ink in, in Revelation because... Um, Jesus is still delivering direct content, and that's where it's, you know, why are you persecuting me, he says, yeah, yeah. Uh, to Saul. Um, because, hey, there is a direct, there's, this, this, is a, this is a direct thing to him, and there's echoes of it here. Yeah, cer- certainly. So you have this, this, this chain, this tradition that, that goes back ultimately to the Lord himself, that the apostles are just intermediaries um you know he re- really emphasizing the, the the lord in this and so he, he goes and he describes this you know so whether whether it was you know it's interesting in verse 11 you know whether uh, then it was it was i or they so we preach and so you also believed i, I feel like that sentence I, I feel like that kind of got back to those really early chapters uh like one, one two and three 
when we were dealing with the whole Apollo Cephas Paul thing yeah. where it, everyone was breaking down in different camps and it was like, well, you know, we like, we follow him and Apollos. No, he's a real speaker, right? Like we like what he had yeah. to say. And, and I feel like this is actually kind of getting, tying that back into this. doesn't matter who it was guys, like get, get the idea. It, it matters because it, of who they received it from, because it came from Jesus. I mean, it, it doesn't right. matter whether it was from Jesus through Cephas or from Jesus through Paul. I mean, it's immaterial. It, it, what yeah. matters is whether this comes from Jesus or not. Yes. And um, what a great word that is for today, because it's amazing that we live in an era now with celebrity pastors. It's like yeah. Yeah. crazy to think about that. And it's like, if you hear people say, well, I really like it when you preach, you know, uh, like, yeah, yeah. Look, look out for that because holy cow, like we're just, we're, we're just the errand boys, you know, like, yeah. and so this, this really undoes that. And this is once again, another uh, moment where Paul is speaking to a, a challenge in Corinth, but holy cow, is it a challenge today? Yeah, and I think we want to maybe talk a little bit about that because yeah, absolutely it is a, a challenge for us as well. But we got we got to take a break. Um, I, I wasn't even minding the time very well. We we got <laughs> we got to take a little break, but we'll be right back, everybody. Here on Nice Strong, we're looking at First Corinthians chapter fifteen. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today, joined by our guest, Pastor Brian Davies at Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grace Lake, Illinois. We want to thank our underwriters for the program, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, their website, lhfmissions.org. Uh, no call-ins today. We are pre-recorded, but... This is uh, just an amazing chapter, and we're getting into a lot of good stuff. The thing we were talking about just before the break, you know, so in, in verse 11 there, it, it does seem like he is kind of getting back to this this whole thing about, you know, this pastor, that pastor, oh, this one, I like it when he preaches. Um, and we were just saying, Brother how yeah, how much does that happen today? And, and even more so when you have, you know, it, it's like, you know, you, you have these celebrity pastors who— have a million followers on Twitter or, you know, like they're on TV or, or they, they show up at a stadium and they like sell out seats. Right. And, and we have this thought of like, Oh, well, I mean that that's a real pastor. Like, you know, we should really listen to what that guy has to say or, or, or conversely, right. Like, like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, you're a pastor, but you know, have you, have you published many books? I, I mean, you know, and we, and we <laughs> go, go to this kind of very worldly way of evaluating how seriously we should take the messenger. But I mean, to what you were just saying, I mean, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the messenger. We're like, we're just the, you know, just the, the, the heralds, just the, I mean, the mailman 
uh, it, it matters right. who who's on who's a, who's the return address. <laughs> it's Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Anytime we're tempted to bring worldly metrics into God's economy, look out, <laughs> right? <laughs> because oftentimes it's not even going to be like indifferent. It's going to be bad, you know? Yeah. And so you're very right about that. Um, let us focus on the message, not the messenger. And there is so much in the message here. That's what Paul wants to do. Take our, take our eyes off of him and put our eyes on Christ. Well, and, and I think this is, uh, this is, I think this is profound then because you, you think about, the, the the celebrity pastors as as you were uh, I think it's a good term for it. How many of those celebrity pastors are very creedal in their emphasis, mm. right? I mean, like I mean, I, I'm thinking about this, right? How many of these like yeah. sellout stadium full crowds, right? Um, are are they reciting the Apostles' Creed together, right? I mean, yeah. and, and I would first of all, if there is one out there, I'd like to know because I'd just be impressed and intrigued okay but yeah. <laughs> but it's my impression that this is not the case so much and that they tend to be not particularly creedal not in the way that they practice or in the way that they yeah. teach which which i think is no coincidence right because again like i, th- I think this is what this is getting at that when you go back to the creeds right and in, in chapter 11 and chapter 15 we're, we're going back to to the, this creedal stuff the the institution of the lord's supper the lord's betrayal his death, his resurrection, his appearances, his ascension. When you get back to that stuff, that's not unique to, you know, one individual and their own cool ideas and their own special take on it, right? This is like this this tradition that belongs to the whole church. I mean, just yeah. the very nature of, of a creed, it's, it's, it's not focused on an individual. And I, I, I think that that's really helpful to, to consider that, you know, if, if we're— if we're being too individualistic and we're being too focused on personalities, isn't it because we have lost sight of the creeds, because we've lost sight of the church as a whole, as a confessing body? Yeah, and I think it's really nice to say when you read 1 Corinthians 15, because this is a meaty chapter. There is a lot here. And perhaps your listeners you know, you kind of get a little confused because Paul gets pretty heavy and weighty here about resurrection. And if this didn't happen and this didn't happen and subjection and subjected, and it gets really, really heavy. I think we ought to look at that as saying, Hey, this is really nice that the proclamation of the gospel is not based on Paul's ability to deliver it, but rather on the reality of, there is no tomb in Jerusalem where Jesus' bones are. He has been raised, and this chapter really brings this home. So thanks be to God. Our faith is not rooted in the eloquence or musical gifts or creativity or, uh, you know, cameras and fog machines that, you know, swayed us to believe in Jesus. Our faith is ultimately in a very factual, creedal statement. Jesus Christ yeah. lived, died, and rose again. Yeah, well, and so that, and that's really, in, okay, that is, I think, I, I like that. I'm thinking about this because in 1 Corinthians, uh, I, I want to say it was it, it was in 14 here, 
but when he's talking about tongues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's interesting because, and, and we've already talked about this, but uh, I think that the way that we kind of end up reading this stuff in the Lutheran tradition is that Paul is like really sarcastic when he's talking about tongues. But he, he does say like, uh, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy, mm-hmm. right? So even, even as he's saying like prophecy is better, He's he's not saying that tongues are evil, right? And and so when he when he goes on too, and he's like talking in chapter fourteen, um, and, and like he he makes his comment like I think I speak in tongues more than all of you. It's like if we're not going to read that as like really really sarcastic, then he is saying that the the speaking in tongues thing is, is not bad, and, mm. and like I, and it's like when you when you look at you know, just, you know, I, I just remember, like, it was just a, a few months ago, I was talking to somebody, and he was just relating to me just the, the powerful experience he had with his Christian community that, yeah, involved him, I mean, uh, yeah, coming, like, breaking down to tears and speaking in tongues. Um, and it's just like, yeah, yeah that, that was, like, a part of the experience, and so, and so sometimes are, like, uh, songs that are very moving, or um, eloquent speakers or even yep. even fog machines not for me personally but like maybe that happened with some uh some people but i mean the thing is like i i think that in line with what he's just said in chapter 14 it's not that tongues are are bad or or that you know the eloquence right. of apollos is evil i mean those right. things can actually be very good and helpful they're created things that the creator can use for his purposes they they just can't take the place of this creedal thing. So if they're serving the creedal uh, emphasis and core of of the Christian message, th- then that's that's great. If that's what helped you get into that, then thank God that he used it for that purpose. But this is yep. the emphasis that you're going to stay on, right? I mean, like, uh, yeah. do, do you, is that like a valid like line to be drawing here? Oh, totally. Because I think we recognize like. Paul does talk about himself a little bit in 15 here. He says, you know, um, I worked harder, um, but let's frame it. It wasn't I, but it was the grace of God that is with me. So regardless of what's going on in Corinth or regardless of your faith story and how you got here, what's about to be delivered to you? And that's, you know, 15, 12 and the rest of the chapter is what right. you're going to root yourself in. This is going to be the anchor for your soul. And then, right. you know, it kind of starts that conversation with verse 19, which is a yeah. verse that, I don't know, the first time I heard it, it was a wonderful passage for me. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied, um, which is to yeah. say, like, if we're only in this life as our hope, then, man, we're in trouble. But then in verse 20, we get that great but verse. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. Meaning first fruits, meaning the first one who is to come, implying there's many more after. Thanks be to God, and that's us. And of course, that idea is just all over the scriptures that you have in Revelation, and I think it was, you know, firstborn of the dead who holds the keys to death in Hades. The doors have been unlocked. <laughs> yep. and, and that, and when, you know, when the prison doors are unlocked, um, 
you can bet more people are going to be coming out too. Uh, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's certainly that, that just that, that image all by itself, uh, a beautiful thing and, uh, connected to what he expands on then in, in verse, uh, 22, right? So in, in Christ, all shall be made alive in, in that order. First, the first fruits and, and then, uh, and then the rest, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that this is like how he's expounding on it though. Right. So he's kind of like given this, um, he's get, he's given this kind of creedal, you know, emphasis. Right. And now, and now he's getting into this and, and it seems like it's because again, uh, there's something in particular going on in Corinth that he's trying to address again. Um, you mm -hmm. know, cause he says in, in 12, you know, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So, I mean, this yeah. is, this is, I think the fascinating thing that apparently among all the problems that's, that are going on in Corinth, this is one of them. And and so, yeah. uh, all, all this stuff he's talking about, about, you know, first fruits, um, about, you know, have we been misrepresenting God guys? Because we, we did say that God raised Christ from the dead. And so if, uh, there is no resurrection, then we've been lying about what God did or didn't do. I, I mean, like this, this seems like a very targeted argument here and that just right. uh, so what's going on in Corinth right and I think you know this is it's so good to be on the lookout for that both for understanding what we see in like having a better understanding of what's happening in the text but also to understand that the word of God is sharp and alive it's not a dead yeah. document it, 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 it's life-giving and it is applicable. It is moving. Like it changes us. And so just like it speaks directly to Corinth, it speaks directly to us. Um, and, and just in case folks on the other end of this are a little unsure, it, this is very credo. It's very factual. And it's very like to each part of God's creation that Jesus Christ lived. He was a real human being, son of God, and also died on the cross and then became alive again. And then with clarity, Paul says, the word of God says, he will come again. And when he comes again, the same resurrection that Christ experiences will be our resurrection, your resurrection, my resurrection, the resurrection of all flesh. Thanks be to God for that. We're recipients of that. Uh, th thanks be to God, and and, and like you were saying, it, it, it's he's presenting it as this is what really happened, guys. Uh, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if there's some of you who are like, oh, well, I don't, I just don't know about that. That doesn't that doesn't seem likely, right? Because it, it seems and this because this is interesting the way he talks about it. Because because we might be you know like you were saying, kind of not. It's easy for us, I think, without the specific context in mind, to to get lost. But, but look yeah. at the way he talks about this, right? Like he says um, in verse 16, for if the dead are not, I mean, this is, this is, so, this is just so interesting. This is the argument he makes. For if the dead yeah. are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ yeah. has not been raised, your faith is futile. So, I mean, just think about this. He's not starting with, and this is a weird thing. He's not starting with, well, see guys, because Christ has been raised, you know, therefore, uh, therefore, there is a resurrection. Um, I mean, he's actually starting with like, well, there has to be resurrection categorically <laughs> if yeah. Christ is going to ra get raised up, which is like, you're thinking to yourself, now, why would you argue this way? Because for us, yeah. we're caught up in this historical question. Like for us, we're all like, you know, you know, Jesus seminar and historical Jesus and, 
you know, like, oh, are these like documents of like faith or is this just, you know, and so like we're, we're all caught up in this, like, is this historical fact or not? But it seems like these guys aren't even there. Like they're not even doubting that Christ has been raised. They're just saying, yeah. well, we just don't think there's a resurrection of all flesh like that. Like that's, you know, you know, like, well, yeah. Christ was raised, which is a really weird position. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's fascinating that they would hold on to that, and that seems to be what Paul's targeting. Yeah, and you called it Paul being sarcastic. I would call it Paul being sassy. Um, he sounds he's kind of pointed at them today uh, yeah. in this way. They're not even Christ has been raised. Like, come on, guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. We can, do, we yeah. can do better than this. Well, well, and, and I think it goes, you know, if he is a little bit sassy, it's it's only because he's actually already made this argument in a different way. Yeah. Um, that earlier, when he was talking, you know, we, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 11, right? Um, there seems to be a few connections to this, that, you know, when he's talking about the, the Lord's Supper, he's he's like saying, well, you know, well, you mentioned at the beginning, right? Like things actually go from bad to worse when you guys get together um, be, yeah. because there's these divisions. And it seems like one of the divisions is with wealth, that there's like wealthy people who have like the good Lord's Supper. That's like a feast. Yeah. And then there's like the poor people who have like the sack lunch Lord's Supper. That's like, yeah. you, you, you know, like, I don't know, like, like a graham cracker and Welch's or something. And... Yeah. And, and so if there is some kind of wealth divide, that would really complement what's going on here, because the resurrection of the flesh, right, what's that say? That that says, well, when this all—it's uh, it, basically saying there's going to be a big reset button, guys. <laughs> that yeah. you, you were wealthy in this life. You were poor in this life. You, you were really something. You were prestigious. You were exalted and lauded and acclaimed in this life. Uh, you were uh, a loser. You you were uh, a failure. You were held in contempt in this life. Well, guess what? We're, the, the slate is going to get wiped clean, and there's going to be a, a do-over in, of sorts. And, and, and that kind of revolutionary spirit, you can see why the people who are doing very well in this life wouldn't like it. And, and like, could it be yep. that the wealthy elite in Corinth are like, well, of course the Lord Jesus has been raised, but and, and because of that, we have a new resurrected spirit and wisdom um but you know not not this resurrection for everyone thing and certainly not for those poor people over there i, I mean like it, it seems like that would complement what he's saying that there's these elite christians that are living as if there's not going to be a resurrection and part of that's because they like to think that they're better than the rest of them right it's heartbreaking to think about that both in terms of the lord's supper being practiced like that and then also the fact that perhaps they thought that way about the resurrection of the flesh as well. And so what's super helpful then is that he unrings that bell completely later on in this chapter, verse 42. So it is with the resurrection. What is sown is perishable. What is yeah. raised imperishable. That is to say, if you feel like you've invested a lot in now and you want that to carry over, uh, Sorry, but no, you know, yeah. Verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Worldly yep. metrics yep. don't transform into life everlasting. Uh, the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. It's going to be the dawn of a new day, new creation. Each one of us made new. Thanks be to God. 
Well, and, and I really appreciate it. So, I mean, like, it, it makes sense to go ahead and, and skip down um, to the end, like, for dealing with this point. But, I mean, like, with, with this idea, I mean, and this is the part that we read, um, Graveside, if I recall. And, and, and so, in, in that moment, it, it feels really good because you're reading it and, and you're looking at, well, you're looking at the perishable right there that has perished, right? Yeah. And, and, and you're looking at defeat. You're, you're looking yeah. at change in a really bad negative way um but then there's this comforting message that you know what it's perishable and even perished now but imperishable is coming and the, and the beautiful thing about the resurrection of the lord jesus is the imperishable comes even after having perished that that yeah. resurrected life invades and trumps even the fact of death and and so yeah. you know we're, we're, you're, these words are are, are so pro, profoundly comforting in that context it's really interesting to see, like what you were saying, though, how that would line up against what these kind of elite Corinthians are thinking, though, that, you know, yeah. they're, they're kind of being, I mean, he's kind of like put, putting it up in a, a little bit of a, a tough spot for them in terms of like their decisions, like, oh, well, we really like how comfortable we are and how we're better than the rest and how we're doing so well for ourselves. And we're, we're we have all the great things of the world and we have these spiritual things, too. But, but, you know, it's like Paul's saying, guys, you, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. If, if you want to have resurrected life in the Lord Jesus, then the perishable's got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so two quick thoughts on that. I mean, it's amazing how much we end up investing in the perishable, isn't it? Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, all of us do. And, like, we get caught up in it and— because it's so, it feels so tangible. It feels so now. I think this text is a real nice reset for me as a reminder, even as a pastor, to like, hey, let's focus on what is imperishable and pointing people to what is imperishable. Secondly, I always wondered a little bit, you know, when we use this in, in you know, internment moments or funeral moments, Verse 55, yeah. oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? I mean, parts of me wants to cry out, like, right there, like, in the coffin, you know? Like, yeah. it seems yeah. like that. Like, where's the sting? And, AJ, I don't know if you've lost folks that are near to you. I have, and I'm sure you have, too. Other our listeners yeah. have. Like, if you ask them the question or ask me the question, where is the sting of that? I mean, there is sting in that. It's right there. It's in the coffin. Um, yeah. But like you said, it's like that's not the end of the story, and that's what this chapter does. It seems like, and I think he's like kind of um, quoting that, it's to say, hey, it, it, it can feel like that, but yeah. thanks be to God who gives us a victory. And, you know, this is not like an uncertain outcome. You know, like we don't know how the Cubs or the Cardinals are going to do tonight. You know, there is yeah. certainty to this because of what Jesus – who. Uh, who lived and died and rose again, he's the first fruits. We are now a people who are a people of victory. And it's not through our own merit or our own good works or what we've done to earn it or deserve it, but that is solely through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I think that ties in with like the very, the very last verse. Um, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I mean, I mean to just, just th this is the thing, right, that's, that's reorienting our perspective, and this is why it's healthy to yeah. go to funerals, why it's, 
healthy yeah. to not try to like shove death in a box and never ever think about it right um, which is what we're yep. trying so desperately to do in western society right like well if we keep it all in the hospitals and in funeral homes and away from our houses and away from our daily lives and away from uh tv and the rest of it then then we'll all be okay and we can just keep on doing this obsession over you know how the yeah. professional sports teams are doing like or, or whatever it is right yeah. It's just the, 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 the over-investment, the malinvestment, and, and it ties in with what he was saying. I mean, so this, this is what it is. Your, your labor is not in vain, the work of the Lord. This is what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, right? When he was saying, you know, faith, hope, and love, these three remain, but the grace of these is love, because love never ends. The yeah. other things will pass away. I mean, knowledge, I mean, isn't that something like faith and hope pass away? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. because because when the resurrection comes, you don't need to hope because it's there. That's right. You don't, you don't need to prophesy because it's there. But yeah. love is the thing that keeps going. I mean, I mean, so this, this I think, this is, a, this is one of these amazing ways where, where Paul seems to be, uh, because he is, right, uh, channeling the Lord Jesus because he has a spirit of the Lord Jesus, um, you know, who says, you know, store up treasure for yourself in heaven, which is not a way of saying, you know, God's going to reward you and give you your payday, but that, you know— practice and labor in love because love does not end the other stuff does and that may seem like harsh law like oh everything i've invested in all my my wisdom and power and prestige is going to go away well it's gotta if you want death to go away yeah and so he then 58 i understand 58 it's kind of like hey in light of everything we've talked about and everything you just said you know in light of all of that here's the, you know, here comes the command or the instruction or the counsel. You who I love, be steadfast. And and listeners, I'd encourage you to think about the Lord saying this to you because he is, you know, be steadfast, be determined, keep going, be immovable. Like don't be swayed or discouraged or let doubt creep in always abounding in the work of the Lord, like get connected to the work that God is doing in word and sacrament and sharing that and living in it, knowing that when you do that, it's not in vain. It's not pointless. It's not perishable. It's not going to, you know, be here today and gone tomorrow. The investment we make in kingdom work is an eternal investment. Right. Uh, because the love of Christ is eternal, and and and, and I think I think yeah, it, it does it does it sums up everything he's been saying so far, um, and, and it's going to tie into to sixteen then. Um, yeah, the re- yeah. the resurrection does that. It, it actually does speak to like the specific way that all these different things, um, because in all these specific things, what we need is to be transformed by the love of Christ, which transforms everything, even perishable yeah. mortal life. So, yeah, uh, okay. Over time, a little bit. It was inevitable with the chapter like this. But thank you so much, brother. <laughs> Amazing chapter. Great conversation. Uh, God bless you and your people. Hey, Lord be with you and pleasure to talk to you. And God bless our listeners. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Brian Davies at Lord of Glory, Grays Lake, Illinois. We're going to finish off this book here, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. 
Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.